So as I get started this morning, I want to tell you a story. This week, I had to run some paperwork to one of our medical office buildings. And as I got done, I was walking back down the hallway, and the sun was coming in the window, and it was beautiful. And then all of a sudden, because the sun's shining, I could see this small handprint on the window. And I thought, my first thought was, as a first impressions guy, right, somebody who looks at the details, I'm like, we got to get that cleaned, right? That was, and so, and then as I knew the topic that we were preaching on this morning, I, I thought about maturity, right, and how, you know, somebody, how, somebody let their kid stick their hand all over that. And then in that moment, the Lord changed my perspective, Lord changed my perspective. You see, he reminded me of that child that left that handprint there. And how, in leaving that handprint, that child looked out that window. And it, and it pressed its face to the window. And it looked out in wonder. It looked out in a great big old world. And so sometimes I want to ask you, have we lost our wonder? Have we lost the amazement? Yes, as we turn on the news, as we look on Facebook, there are a lot of things that uh, can get us down and get us worried. But God is still at work, right? And God created this world, and it is going to be dark, and we need to start pointing others to Him. And so this morning, we continue our series on the Great Commission. And so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to Matthew chapter 28. As y'all have noticed, the last... Three weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 mainly. We read 18 as well. And so as you're turning to Matthew 28 this morning, I want to remind you that this is not a mere suggestion, but that we are called to fulfill this commission. And so in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so again, this is not a mere suggestion. We are called to fulfill this commission. And so thus far in this series, we've said that we've got to go, that we have to make, and that we have to baptize. And today we will look at our fourth word. You know, the first message, and, and let, me, let me pause there for a second. This is the fourth message, right? And so each week I've kind of been going back and kind of hitting some highlights from what we've been talking about, right? And why am I doing that? And here's why. Here's why we're reviewing each week. Because if we don't understand the significance and realize the weight of these verses, then we won't be focused in our mission to truly honor and glorify Christ in all that we do. You see, understanding the commission of Christ is critical to living on mission for Christ. And so as we have stepped through these verses these last few weeks I want to keep hammering home about these things, right? The big takeaway from each week, because this is key. This is crucial to what we're discussing. Also, as I've told you, each Sunday is somebody else's first Sunday. And so as we preach and teach, I want them to grasp the weight and the significance of these verses. 
And so the first week we said, go. We keyed in on Jesus says, go. That's the first word that he gives the disciples and he gives us. And we've said, when you know, you must go. So when we know Jesus, we must go. It's not that we have an option to go, but we must go. We need to remember, friends, that church is not the ultimate destination. Jesus didn't say come. He said go. And in essence, Jesus is saying as you are going. So that probably brings the question, why should we go? We should go because Jesus commissions us to go. We've said that commission means that we have the authority to act on behalf of our Savior. He's called us to be His hands, His feet, His love, His compassion, His forgiveness, and His grace to those that He places in our path. You see, Jesus' commission should be our mission. For the church as a whole, but each and every one of our lives, it has to be our mission. Then we talked about that we have to make something, right? What do we have to make? We have to make disciples. We have to make students. We said before, you can make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. Amen? And disciples are made, not born. Right? What did Jesus do when he was on his earthly ministry? He went and he called people and he said, come and follow me. He invited them into his mission. Right? He didn't just say, hey, you were born a disciple, come on. You know everything. No, he said, come and follow me. Follow my example. We've mentioned that if we're going to make disciples, that we need two main ingredients, that we need a process and we need people. And ultimately, the main thing that you have to do is be a student. Now, listen, listen to this nugget I heard this past week. It said your church is only as good as its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. And y'all, the interesting thing is I keep running across things related to this entire series, right? As I'm, as I'm going through my week. And so one of the things that I shared with some friends of mine, their name is Dale and Gina Forehand, and they have a ministry. They go around the country and they preach and teach and they call men and women to have a Christ-centered marriage, right? Because the enemy tore their marriage apart. They literally were divorced, and while they were waiting on their divorce to be final, they lived in the same house, and when Christmas time came, they had separate Christmas trees and separate celebrations, and they got divorced, they moved out, and then guess what? The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow that to be the way it was supposed to be. And so they came back and they apologized and they reunited and they got remarried, and so now they go on the road sharing their story with others to encourage them that God can restore marriages. God is in the restoration business. God is in the business of renewing people and relationships. And so I sent, why do I mention Dale and Gina? Here's why. is because, y'all, I, my friend Ken here is, is with us this morning. Ken has a ministry that he literally takes his phone and he calls people all over the country, complete strangers and complete just random Christian organizations and other organizations, and he he dials their number and he says, hey, how can I pray for you today? Right, he uses their phone. And so Dale and Gina, they they invited people that are connected with them when they go out into the mission field, they say, hey, we're going, to be in Al- we're going to be in North Carolina this weekend. Feel free to text us and encourage us. So you know what I did? I sat down and I found some nuggets of wisdom. And this, week, this weekend I sent them the following thing. A teacher shares information 
while a discipler shares a life. A teacher aims for the head, while a discipler aims for the heart. A teacher measures knowledge, while a discipler measures faith. A teacher is an authority, while a discipler is a servant. And a teacher says, listen to me, while a discipler says, follow me. And I ended that quote and I said, go make some disciples. Right? Because they were going to be standing in front of people. And you know what? I got a text back from them yesterday. And they said, Chris, we had five salvations. Three men and two women professed Jesus as Lord. And said, I want Him to be a part of my life. I want Him to renew me. I want there to be restoration. I want there to be renewal. Praise God. Last week, we talked about baptism. As we're breaking this verse down piece by piece, we talked about baptism. And we said that baptism is an outward sign of an inward transformation. And we had a great time of prayer following the message, right? We called people to pray that these waters might be filled once again, that people might take next steps to be baptized, to be marked as a believer of Christ. And I want, to, I want to, before we jump into our word today, I just want to remind you that all of our messages in this series and the themes have started with the letter M. That we have to move, that we have to make, that we have to mark, that's baptism. And then today our word is mature, our spiritual maturity. And so look at the verse, look, look in the text. It says, verse 20, He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there there are two portions of this verse, and we're going to take a look mainly at the first one. It says, teaching them to observe all. Friends, I hope you see the connection to these verses that we've been studying. In order to go, you must know. Once you know, you must live it out as you are going, teaching others along the way. We must allow Jesus to you must allow Jesus to use you as a vessel of hope, of love, of encouragement, and that you're a student. That you're a disciple. And that you're making students of Jesus, that you're making other disciples. And so today's verse, we're going to talk about maturity. We're going to talk about spiritual maturity. Because if we're going to teach them, then we've got to know. Right now, we know the Lord and He says, go as we are going. But if we're going to teach somebody else, don't you think we need to know what God says? What the Word says? Now, here's the thing. He doesn't say, keep. just get a picture of this, people. He's saying, as you're going. So as you're going, there should be, you should be lining up with Christ and you should be learning. You should be growing. You should be growing more mature in Christ. He didn't say mature first and then go, did he? He said, go. So you go with what you know, right? If Christ has come a part of your life and he's, he's gripped your heart and you've professed him as Lord, then that's what you've got. You know, there have been times for some of y'all, if I, if I asked for, uh, if we had time this morning and I asked and I said, you know, is there anyone who could stand and, and, and give us a word of testimony, right? Many of you could stand and say, hey, Chris, we prayed for this and, and this is how the Lord worked. And we were in this need and we didn't have this and we prayed and the Lord delivered, right? Take what you have experienced and share that with other people. Now let's also take a moment for a, a little refresher from good old Merriam-Webster, right? Because what does it mean to be mature? So being mature means 
you've achieved a final or desired state. So I want to ask you this question. Are you fully like Jesus? Are you, but, 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 you might not be fully like Jesus, and none of us in this building can say that we are, that we are fully like Jesus, right? There are Jesus attributes in our life that we should be manifesting, that we should be living out, but we are not fully like Christ, and we will not be this side of of eternity on earth. But I want to ask you this question. Are you more like Jesus today than when you were first saved? That's the the question this morning. Are you more like Jesus today than when you were first saved? Being mature means there is a slow, careful consideration that is a part of your life. Being mature means there is an emergence of personal and behavioral characteristics which happen through a growth process. Has your faith grown? Has your walk with the Lord grown? Listen, spiritual maturity is not something you can assess by simply looking at someone once, but it's measured by how much they reflect Jesus in their everyday life. Let me repeat that. Spiritual maturity is not something you can assess by simply looking at someone once. But it's measured by how much they reflect Jesus in their everyday life. Let me give you an example of that. When I was in a previous ministry, um, we went out and we had a visitation team. And we would go out on visitation. And so this one night I was with our pastor and a few other folks. And we went visiting. And we went to this couple's house. And they live out in Beach Creek. And when we got out there... I'm just going to give you an assessment of what I saw, right? Because we're saying you can't just look at somebody once and assess them and look at their spiritual maturity. So we walk into these people's house. They're old enough to be my grandparents. Okay? That kind of tell you who the folks were sitting around. They're old enough to be my grandparents. And so we're having a great conversation and we're talking and making small talk. And finally they looked at my pastor and they said, Pastor, can we ask a question? He said, sure, ask away. They said, Pastor, do we have to have a Bible to come to Sunday school? Now think about that. Somebody who's old enough to be my grandparents, right? If they were sitting here this morning and you were standing where I am and looking out in the congregation and you say, my gosh, they've been a Christian. They've been following Christ longer than I've been alive. They know so much. Friends, no. We can't ever look out, whether it's in a pew or in society, and look at somebody and judge where they are spiritually. And how mature they are. Because in that instance, folks, I remember the woman saying, she said, well, we have my father's Bible that's still in the boxes from when we moved. You see, they were from up north, which is mainly a lot of Catholicism. And so they had moved here. And so they had a Bible. But guess what? The Bible wasn't a part of their lives. It wasn't a part of what they were doing. So much so that it was left in a box in the garage from when they had moved. So you see what I'm saying? If you look out and you say, oh my gosh, they are a senior saint. They know so much about Jesus. They've been through so much. No, they are a babe in Christ. So never look out on someone else and say, oh, I know exactly how spiritually mature they are. But how much are they reflecting Jesus in their everyday life? Y'all, it's been a good week. I'm not going to lie. I've been excited when I woke up. I woke up extra early this morning to go over my notes and, and to just write the one or two last things because I was ready to get in here and to share this message with you. 
And as I mentioned already, everywhere I turned this past week, there was something about maturity. Whether it was in our small group on Wednesday night, the book that we're going through, whether it was a tweet, whether it was a conversation, or whether it was observations that I was making in my daily life. Listen to this one tweet that I saw. It says, if we stop going... Now, that's been a theme of this series, right? Because Jesus says, as you are going, go. So listen to that now. If we stop going, we stop learning. And if we're not willing to keep learning, we should probably stop going. Now, and now here's, here's what I mean by that. Is don't go out and wave the banner of Christ if you aren't willing to admit a few things. First of all, that you don't have it all figured out. Secondly, that you are a sinner saved by grace in need of receiving and giving grace daily. And third... That you haven't arrived and that you are the most mature person in the room and in the conversation. Right? Don't wave the banner of Christ if you can't admit those things. If you can't admit that you don't still have something to learn. Because remember, we've said already from this pulpit several times in several messages, a humble person can learn from anybody. Right? What, what is the Lord wanting to teach you through others? And then, we want to talk about maturity, spiritual maturity. I was walking into work on Thursday, and I realized that I was supposed to be at my favorite conference all year long. It's called Catalyst. And I was supposed to be in Atlanta. And it hit me. Chris, you're supposed to be there. But I couldn't go because we were originally supposed to close on our house the day before. And, but praise God for a group. They worked with me, and they were going to let me uh, use my ticket so that I can watch the talks. After the talks, I'm I'm thankful for that ministry. But listen, even as I was checking out what they were doing from afar, they were talking about maturity. Listen to what they said. Maturity is measured by your whole person, not only your spiritual life. Another person said, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Come follow me equals copy the details of my life. That's what Jesus is in essence saying. Come and follow me. We're to follow after him and to imitate him in our daily lives. Friends, your whole life is a message. Y'all heard it said that, you know, you might be the only Bible that some people read. That's another way to say that. Then listen, one of the speakers said this. She said, whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. Whatever grows gets energy. And whatever gets energy produces your words and your actions. Now, from our small group, we're going through a book called Life on Mission. Again, I, I can't make this stuff up. Is I'm preparing this all. I mean, we weren't even supposed to be in this chapter. I happened to turn ahead and I was looking to the next week, uh, not what we're doing this coming week, but the next week, and it says, "Big is big and bold." Says spiritual maturity. I said, "Well, look at God." You know, I mean, so I read through the first few pages and listen to what it said. It says, our world does not simply need people who know more facts about God, but rather people who are following deeper in love with who God is. Amen? Now listen to this. Having a knowledge of theology, that's the study of God and religious beliefs. So having the knowledge of theology is great if we're taking a test. But that amounts to zero if we don't apply it. 
Theology applied to everyday life through the Spirit of God at work in us, however, results in spiritual maturity. If you will, take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Hebrews. It's sandwiched between Philemon and James. Turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 11 through 14. So Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through, 11 through 14 says this. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is like a child. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so our book, Life on Mission, had this to say. Listen, about these, these verses that we just read. One truth that the author related in Hebrews 5 is that although there should be a correlation between the amount of time a person has known Jesus and their spiritual maturity, it doesn't always work that way. There are many believers who maturity, whose maturity falls way behind their spiritual age. At times, there is a gap of jarring proportions. And then they ask this question. So what can we do for those who fall behind in spiritual maturity? The image from Hebrews 5 again rings true. We have to start where the person is spiritually. Right? Each and every Sunday when I get up and we talk about our connect cards, when we talk about what we're doing in the message and prayers that we can pray and next steps that we can take. Friends, I didn't ask you to take a leap. I'm not asking you to take a leap. What is the next step? That you need to take in your walk with Christ. They went on to say this. Milk is, has to come before solid food. And if their lives do not show that they have grasped the basics of Christianity. The milk. Then we're to go back to the basics. So when I preach and teach, it can be a little bit of a challenge, right? Because you have people who are, who are senior saints and some that are younger. And they are very spiritually mature. Right, And then you have others who are babes in Christ, so you have to preach up here and you have to preach up here. But thank God that the gospel of Jesus Christ can preach and teach to both of those levels. Amen? Because if, if we're humble and we have humility, we can learn from anybody and we can learn from God's Word. If we just ask Him to open our hearts and to open our minds to receive what He has for us. Now, second part of this verse, very quickly, because we're taking communion this morning, but very quickly on this, I want to ask, I want to say this. What has God commanded of us? Right? I mean, that's what we said in this verse. That we're to preach and to teach all that He has commanded us. So what has God commanded of us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank the Lord for technology. So I wondered that, right? What has God taught us? So I did a quick search. And someone had compiled a list of multiple pages I printed out. And he came up with 147 commands and 21 principles. 
Now, I'm not going to read all 147 to you this morning. I know that you are very thankful for that. But, but I do want to hit the highlights, right? Because as we're talking this morning about grasping the significance and the weight of the Great Commission here in Matthew chapter 28, if we don't grasp that, if we don't go and share what we know, then how will Christ be made known? Right? Because He's called us to be His vessels. And to learn and to grow. And so He's commanded us. So let's hit on a few of these highlights. What has He commanded us? He's commanded us to repent. To come to me all who labor. To forgive. To deny yourself. To ask, seek, and knock. To believe the gospel. To believe on He, God, who has sent Him. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive. That you must be born again. Abide in me. Remain in me. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We're supposed to be rejoicing. Follow me. Be baptized. Do this. Right? We're going to take communion here in just a few minutes. In remembrance of me. Wash one another's feet. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily. Learn of me. Take my yoke. Gentle and slow. Find rest. That's what He commands us to do. He says to abide in my love, to pray always, to pray the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers. Have faith in God. Let not your heart be troubled. Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. Search the Scriptures. Remember the word I said to you. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. Beware of false prophets. Let your light so shine. Walk while you have light. Be ye ready, therefore. Watch. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Worship the Father in spirit and truth. He mentions the Ten Commandments. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Love one another as I have loved you. Love your enemies. Do good, listen, do good to them which hate you. Lend, hoping for nothing again. Murmur not amongst yourselves. Look up and lift your hands. Preach the gospel to every creature. Feed my sheep. That's my goal. Every Sunday when I get up, I've seen pastors that have it in their pulpit or in their portfolio that they preach from. Feed my sheep. Right? That's what we're supposed to do each and every Sunday morning. We come and preach. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And He says to be wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. Friends, can I just remind you of something this morning as we just read off that list of what Jesus has commanded us to do? Studying Scripture should not be boring. Right? When I dive into God's Word, it is like a treasure chest of treasures and jewels. And so just right here, this one guy came up with 147 commands. If we took that and preached one command every Sunday for three years, we would have something to preach. Amen? And so isn't it amazing as we dive into God's Word, it is so rich, it is active, it is living, and it is still changing lives. What can you do? You ask, what can I do? You can do like my friend Ken. You can call somebody and ask him how to pray for him. You can text somebody and say, hey, I'm just thinking for you. I'm praying for you today, buddy. You can bake somebody something. But friends, let me tell you something you can most definitely do. When you hear the Word of God preached and when you read something good in Scripture, how about take that verse and share it? Right? Because it's living and it's active. It pierces, it encourages. So take what you're reading in God's Word and send it forth, whether it's a text or whether it's by writing something or painting something. Spread it. 
Because it's beautiful. Some of the most beautiful verses that, that I remember, that I've memorized, have been ones that others have shared with me. And I'm like, wow, God, your word says that? Wow, that's encouraging. That's uplifting. Oh, Lord, I have a lot of work to do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a piercing verse for me. Because guess what? If someone was to imitate Chris Moore, would they be more like Jesus? Or would they be more like the world? Friends, maturity begins with you. It begins with you seeking the face of Jesus daily. But can I also remind you something else this morning? Maturity is a process. Maturity is a process. Remember, we said the spiritual maturity is not something that you can assess by simply looking at someone once. But it's measured by how much they reflect Jesus in their everyday life. Y'all, when you look in on someone's path to maturity... Remind yourself to always extend grace. When you look out, yeah, it's so easy to look out and to judge and say, man, she doesn't do that right. And man, he is such a bum. Look at him. He's doing this. Right? No. You look out and if they're trying to grow and if they're seeking the Lord, extend them grace because you too were one day like them. You weren't the man or the woman that you are now. Praise God as you study His Word. He changes you from the inside out. No growth. N-O. No growth, no maturity. Right? If you aren't willing to grow, there will be no spiritual maturity in your life. And growth, it is a painful process sometimes, right? Right? God grows us more in seasons of waiting than any other times in our lives. When we're seeking Him and we want something so bad, but He hasn't delivered it. You have to step back and ask yourself, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me through this? Is this what you really want from me? If this isn't what you want from me, prepare my heart for what you have that's better. Are you mature? Are you maturing? Here's the real kicker. Are you as mature as you think you are? Because I don't know about you, but I have room to grow. I'm not perfect. Don't put me on a pedestal. Thank God I'm just the interim pastor, right? Have that interim in front of there. But don't put me on a pedestal. Because that's not where I belong. I'm a sinner saved by grace, seeking after God and His heart to teach you the things of God, to help you to take next steps so that you can go out in this world and be the disciples and disciple makers that He's called you to be. So how can we live these truths out? We can live out our faith. We can apply what we've been learning. We can extend grace. We can admit that we don't have all the answers. And we can lean and learn from Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this series on commissioned. God, that 
You have commissioned each and every follower of Jesus to be on mission for you. And so, Father, I thank you for the richness as we've just sat down in these two verses these last four weeks. God, thank you that we can just slow down and that we can absorb all there is. And we can't, well, we can't even absorb all that there really is. But God, thank you for giving us a glimpse of your glory and what you've called us to do to be on mission for you right here in our community, on our dot, on the map. God, you've called us to be disciples. You've called us to be disciple makers. So Father, I pray this morning that we might live out what we've learned. That we might take a next step towards you and the next step towards what you've called us to do in our lives. Father, we thank you. We love you. For it's in your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.